0: Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports. Here's Sports Talk Home for the Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Today, I'm going to be discussing Rutgers news, UCLA and USC might be joining the Big Ten. That's big news. Uh, Yankees odds and ends. And I'm going to be talking maybe for a minute or two about the Rangers offseason remake. It's about to start soon. We'll see what they need to do. So let's go ahead and get started. I wanted to start briefly with Rutgers. Big news for the Big Ten, possibly. Now, this is just rumors now, but Thursday it was announced that it is possible that USC and UCLA plan to join the Big Ten. They're going to leave the Pac-12 and join the Big Ten. Rumors say this could happen as early as the 2024 season. And this is a big, 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 big news item, if it is true. And apparently it's not 100% confirmed. So at this point, it's just a rumor but signs are pointing to this actually being true. And if this is true, this is kind of a seismic shift in college sports. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, this would have a huge impact for both college football and college basketball. As you might remember, UCLA recently won a college basketball championship. Um, and both you know UCLA and USC are big traditional, although not recent, powers in football, right? So they're very good football teams who traditionally won a lot of football games over the years in the Pac-10 um, and powers that will be great for the Big Ten once they join, if they join. So if this comes to fruition, you know, suddenly Rutgers teams will have road trips to LA, you know, instead of other places like Nebraska and things like that. Um, what, a, what a great thing this would be. Um, it would be, for one thing, more confirmation that Rutgers made the right choice in joining the Big Ten, you know, a couple of years ago. And boy, oh boy, um, you talk about picking a winner, you know, when, you, when you decide or try to join a particular league, boy, oh boy, right? Between the SEC and the Big Ten, they're two basically monster leagues and, and the rest of the leagues are, you know, they definitely pale in comparison. Um, now, if this does happen, and again, I keep saying it's not confirmed, but if the rumors are true, the Big Ten's prestige will grow. I mean, oh my God, the, you talk about all the good teams already in the league, right? You have Michigan, you have Ohio State, you have Penn State, you have Wisconsin, a lot of good football and basketball. Purdue, like, like very, very, very good basketball and football teams. And, and there's many others. Um, and you add, you know, USC and UCLA to that mix with a lot of other good winners. And boy, I'll tell you, um, it is a very prestigious conference. Uh, it already is, and it would grow more prestigious with those two. Another uh, positive, the TV contract money will obviously go up, although, you know, you'd have to split it more ways. So, you know, I guess take that with a grain of salt, Um and then the league will just get better overall, right? Better competition leads to better teams, which leads to, you know, hopefully, you know, Rutgers improving. Uh, certainly playing USC and UCLA, you know, uh, as opposed to playing teams like, you know, maybe Illinois or Indiana in football, things like that, will certainly lead to Rutgers being a better football team, because they'll be playing against better competition. It's just very, very exciting news, something to keep an eye on and, you know, keep an eye out for news as it comes up, because this is pretty good. Let's go ahead and talk about the Yankees. Sorry, had a weird glitch there. Let's talk about the Yankees. Um so I want to mention a little bit about the Yankees recent success and non-success here. The Yankees rebounded from kind of a bit of a scary series against the Astros and then they swept the <laughs> very poor Oakland Athletics team. Uh now the Astros series, as you might remember, the Yankees split the series 2 games to 2, but they probably should have got swept. They they barely won the two games they did with walk-offs from Judge. They were not leading in any of the four games until, you know, the two walk-off hits. Uh, The Yankees got no hit against the Astros. Basically, it seemed like the Astros were the better team. So to rebound from that and clean up on a basement dweller like the Oakland Athletics is a good thing, but was a necessary thing. Um, The Yankees keep winning, uh, but there's also some continued concern about some of the, I guess vital skills and vital type of players that you need to win come playoff time. The Yanks are going to get Chapman back soon, which I don't know you could take as a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it depends on your opinion of Chapman and, you know, whether you think his recent ills are just an anomaly or whether you think he's actually declining. I'm firmly planted in the latter camp. And I think Chapman is increasingly getting worse and worse and worse his control both in the strike zone and now the strike zone is getting worse and worse, and he's a liability almost to this team at this point. Um thank God we have Holmes as the closer now, but pitching Chapman in any kind of high leverage situation is gonna lead to trouble. We'll see. Maybe something was solved with whatever quote unquote injury that he had that he's gonna be back from. We're also gonna get get back, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna see. Um So getting two big arms in the bullpen might help us some. Uh, Let's talk about other odds and ends and and what the Yankees might need going forward. Um, Some of this might sound like broken record stuff, but, you know, I keep hearing announcers say otherwise and I keep hearing reporters write otherwise. So I will continue to defend my position on a couple things. Number one. Gleyber Torres, while hitting well, is still an awful, awful defensive player. And that includes where he's playing now at second base. Yesterday, which would be, let's see, I'm recording this on Thursday, so it would be Wednesday against the Oakland Athletics, he dropped a double play ball. There was a ground ball to, um, I guess it was Donaldson at third. He threw it to second. Gleyber was about to turn double play. It was a perfect throw, chest high. He just dropped the damn ball. You know, it was, wasn't was the thing where he dropped it trying to, you know, get the throw out. He actually was safe at second base. And it's silly to bring this up, but I use it to illustrate that he does not even make the normal plays. And it's not a one-off. You can see other balls that are very easy for him to get to that he just doesn't bend far enough or go off the end of his glove or general laziness in the field he's slow and lazy and he doesn't make normal plays and i keep hearing otherwise and i keep seeing and reporting otherwise but when my eyes show him missing normal ground balls dropping balls being lazy it tells me otherwise so i'm going to keep saying this until you know other people start noticing um other odds and ends the great starting pitching is starting to show a little bit of cracks, you know, but the Yanks are still doing very well overall. Uh, it's good to see that a couple starters like Tyone and Montgomery, even when they got hit around a little bit, managed to stick in there in the game a little while, give the Yanks some innings, give them time to come up, you know, come back in the game. Um, so some of these quote-unquote bad games are even not the worst we've ever seen compared to last year's where the starters Get knocked around a little bit, but at least hang in and give us five or six, seven innings. However, couple things: they need to get rid of Joey Gallo immediately, and Joey's just been killing us. And you have heard on this podcast, from the first podcast to this podcast, how much I cannot stand Joey Gallo. There wasn't a single time, from the moment he got Gallo until now, where I've liked him at all. I know he's pretty good defensively. I know he tries. He runs things out. I guess that's the positives I can give him. Uh, But he's a terrible hitter. He's just an absolutely awful, god-awful, fucking ridiculous, terrible hitter. He was, before he got to the Yankees, he's even worse on the Yankees. It was a just dreadful, disastrous trade that Cashman made. And that's another thing as people continue to praise Cashman because the starting pitching happens to be great and the Yanks are doing well this year. They keep saying all of a sudden how good Cashman is. And, you know, they forget about some of the disaster contracts such as, you know, Gallo, Hicks, Stanton, basically the entire outfield except for Judge so far is just disaster of contracts, you know, way overpaid for, for the production we're getting. Um, they need to play instead of Gallo. Maybe Marwin Gonzalez, who's been really a spectacular utility player, just doing everything we ask for him, wherever we put him. He's been hitting, getting a couple home runs, doing lots of good stuff. Maybe they bring up Miguel Landuhar, because he's just the kind of contact hitter that the Yankees need more of. Just awesome. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, struggling big time, but hitting homers at the same time, which is quite contradictory, right? It's a little bit of dichotomy. Um, You know, he's been doing nothing, striking out, striking out, striking out, striking out, big home run. And he's done that like three times in the last six games. So it's amazing. He's had like three really important and opposite field, by the way, home runs over the last, say, five or six games. And I mean really important, big ones. But every time he's not doing that, he's killing us. He just strike out after strike out. So it's a weird thing. His batting average is down to like 240-something at this point. But, you know, at least he's gotten some big hits, so it's not awful. Uh, D.J. LeMahieu starting to heat up really, really good. He's hitting well. Trevino is an awesome, awesome catcher and kind of the biggest upgrade from last year, in my opinion. So that's that's the good news part of the Yankees. And I still, by the way, I cannot wait for the Yankees-Mets series this year. It's very exciting. Both teams doing well. I can't wait to see it. Um, good stuff. So the Yanks are still chugging along. Just a minor update there on the Yanks. I'm going to move on and talk about, very briefly, about the Rangers. So just a very, very quick update on the New York Rangers, and there's nothing much to update. Um, I mentioned last time they did re-sign Sammy Blay, which is great. He was one of the people they got in the Bushnevich trade. Uh, he performed well for a month or so in the beginning of the season before getting sloop-footed. By Subban, that dirty player on the Devils, and being out for the year with a torn ACL. And Sammy Blay is a power forward who the who the Rangers could use much more of, and um, I think he's going to be helpful on the team for sure. Um, Igor Shesterkin won the Vezina Trophy in a landslide. It was well deserved. He carried the Rangers all year, and he was the obvious choice for best goalie in the league. Igor Shesterkin. The Rangers are in a position now where they, him and Drury specifically, needs to decide on several big, big things for the Rangers. Number one, they need to find a second line center. Because right now, all they have is Zabanejad at it, the first center and Heedle at number three. Now, there's a couple options, right? They could re sign Strom. I don't think they're gonna, and I actually don't think they should. They could re-sign Andrew Kopp. I'm kind of in the middle about that. I don't know. Um, I liked what I saw of him. I don't know that he's actually a number two center, but he seems pretty damn good, and I, and I like that he wins face-offs, and I think that has to count for something. I, I think the Rangers have to take into account how good someone is at face-offs into who they sign because I, I can't take another year where every big goddamn face-off is lost. I can't take it. Um, and it cost the Rangers games. It costs them possession time. It costs them, uh, wear and tear on their defensemen because the puck ends up always in their zone when you lose a face off. It costs them offensive time of possession. It costs them metrics. It costs them goals. It costs them everything. When you lose face offs, it's something that no one, no one writes about or talks about. Until it's like so glaring in your face, like at the end of the year and playoffs this year, that you it's impossible not to notice it. So while I don't want and I don't think they'll resign strong, I think there's a much stronger case for Andrew Kopp um, to be resigned. And of all the things, skills that he possesses or doesn't possess, his ability to win a few face-offs, should, in my mind, go a very long way and should be taken into consideration. We'll see if that actually happens, but I think it should be a factor. Uh, the other option is move Filippito up to number two and try to sign a third-line center. Um, it depends how you classify things anyway. The kid line, if they continue to progress, could be a number two line overall. Uh, my opinion the entire offseason after the Rangers were knocked out has been that the Rangers need to mimic some of the other teams and actually get a checking line and make that the third line. Um whether that can actually happen or not, we'll see what materializes. There, there's very few dollars of an available cast base left for Drury to work with. There's lots of things that need to happen, um, between free agents that I mentioned that they need a second line center. They also need a backup goalie. They also need probably a sixth defenseman because it cannot be Nemeth. It absolutely cannot be Nemeth. There's no, there's no chance in hell. No chance, you know. That that can happen, so they're going to have to buy out them, or trade them, or something. Um, so they need someone to be a sixth defenseman. They need a second line center. They need a backup goalie, and they really need to increase their, in my mind, uh, toughness and checking up front. They have some skill players. They need some checking, and they need some toughness. They did some of that this year. I think they need even more of it. Uh, It got to a point in the playoffs last year where I think, you know, either having Sammy Blay back or having yet another defensive, you know, center or checking line is going to go a long way. So it's tough, and we'll see what uh, Drury does in the offseason. There hasn't been any real big moves at this point. If any come, I will certainly have a podcast and talk about it more. Anyway, that is all I have for you today. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. I will be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.